0: Welcome to The Nativity Podcast, where we give listeners a behind-the-scenes look into the life of our active Catholic parish here in Burke, Virginia. How can we help you grow in your own faith? Listen to find out.
1: Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to The Nativity Podcast. As always, broadcasting from Burke, Virginia at the Church of the Nativity, I am your host, Parochial Vicar, Father Ed Bresnahan. With me as always,
0: your director of social media, Mary Castellano.
1: Oh my gosh, guys, we are cruising through our Lenten season. I hope your Lent is wonderful. I hope you are keeping strong with whatever sacrifices and gifts that you guys have uh, given up and uh, the different things that you promised to do. I hope you are going strong with all of that. Um, we are continuing most especially with these delightful little meditations. We're taking some of the Gospels for the weeks, for the Sundays during Lent, uh, during this season of Lent specifically, and we We are bringing in special guests to spend the time talking about the scriptures with us, breaking them open and spending some time just loving Jesus with us. So today, Mary, special treat, would you say?
0: I think it is a very special treat. Absolutely. We
1: are absolutely blessed and uh, overjoyed to welcome our director of youth ministry, your friend and mine, Miss Rebecca Judge.
2: Hello. So and, good to have you back on. Well, I guess not really. Back. Nah, yeah, this is true. The people have not heard from me yet. That's right. The, <laughs>
1: the people, did we take the one episode off? I, we, yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. we did.
0: We had a test episode at the very beginning when we first started recording this podcast with Rebecca because we, we needed like a, a placeholder. And it was really fun, but it wasn't, it was very, it wasn't quite polished. So this is your first time, I guess, formally mm-hmm. on. You were sitting with us though, when we had the teenagers on, which was oh, yeah, very helpful. True. we talked about yeah.
1: work camp. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. been in the background working Yes. With us to make the Nativity podcast a reality, mm-hmm. uh, and have been instrumental in so many ways. But today, for the first time, to actually spend some time um, getting to know, getting to know you, getting to know the scriptures.
2: Yes, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks, yeah, Thanks for thank having me on. You.
1: Yeah. So we even had um, a few of these, a uh, few of these uh, different different talks. We've talked a little bit about you know the the temptation. We've, we've talked about some other things as we kind of gear up for. Uh, gear up during the season of lent but today we're going to hit the story of the raising of lazarus Mm -hmm. and um a beautiful just a beautiful story of faith a beautiful story of family love and a beautiful story that really shows christ in the fullness of what what jesus is all about so let's take a moment and actually, can we have you, Rebecca, can we have you read sure. the story for us before we go and break it open?
0: Yeah. And for anybody who, want, who, who is at home and has a Bible in front of you, you're welcome to follow along as Rebecca reads the gospel. It's John 11, 1 through 45. So yeah,
2: go ahead, Rebecca. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill he remained for two days in the place where he was then after this he said to his disciples let us go back to judea the disciples said to him rabbi the jews were just trying to stone you and you want to go back there jesus answered are there not 12 hours in a day if one walks during the day he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this?" She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the One who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you." As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone Martha the dead man's sister said to him lord by now there will be a stench he has been dead for four days jesus said to her did i not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god so they took away the stone and jesus raised his eyes and said father I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done, began to believe in him.
1: Amen. Amen, wow, Wow. thank
0: you
2: so much. That was a beautiful,
0: beautiful reading
1: so much to unpack there's oh just gosh. so many so many beautiful images in in this passage and there's even like a callback to a previous gospel that we read about the healing of the blind man there's just so many things so ms rebecca <laughs> rebecca where like where do we find this in the whole story where does this fit in to the whole gospel of john
2: yeah so this one you know kind of leads into the, the movement towards the passion, because right after this, you know, the raising of Lazarus is what leads the Pharisees to plot to kill Jesus, right? So we see, um, you know, we have this raising, this movement towards new life and restoration. And it's the very thing, you know, that is leading the Pharisees to decide like, okay, like this is Jesus, you know, this man, he's, he's a problem, right? He's stirring things up, And um, this is the very thing that that really leads to his death. So that's kind of where it's situated. And yes, like you said, it's we had the story of the blind man, you know, two chapters or so ago. Um, So that's kind of kind of where it situates in, in the text.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 sort of tricky because the Pharisees were the ones who did believe in the resurrection. So right. it's very hard when you're balancing out the idea. It's like okay, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection, but they also believe that it's God who's going to do the resurrection on the last day, and for this man mm-hmm. to have this kind of power, that's you're you're a hundred percent right. It's it's a problem for them. It's very right. threatening. It's very threatening. Yeah.
2: So. Right, and yeah. that's why I mean like the the section where where Martha is is speaking to Jesus and you know he's asking her um you know basically if, if she really understands what's happening and you know she says um you know something to the extent of like I know that you're the Messiah, you know, the the one coming into the world, right? But before that, you know, um you know, I I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day, right? And Martha thinks that he's talking about you know this this resurrection in the future right and um not really recognizing at first that he's talking about like what he's about to be doing with raising Lazarus but then also kind of foreshadowing his own death and kind of moving us moving us toward that that like it's not just this future resurrection that the the Pharisees I've always talked about and like she she knows but that christ himself is is the re- resurrection like here in her midst
1: Yeah, I think sometimes even us within our own faith, we have an idea that God will eventually act someday. Mm -hmm. And we have this kind of idea of like, all right, yeah, I just suffer through life, figure life out, and then one day God will figure it all out for me. But God also wants to be a part of your present as well, in Mm -hmm. addition to your future. I think sometimes we forget to allow God to be part of our present life as Mm -hmm. well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, there's just, like you said, there's so much to unpack here and even as I was, you know, praying with the passage and prepping for this. There are so many things. It's such a long story and um I think the one of the first things that kind of hits is just like the whole story of Jesus just even getting there and and sitting with like, okay, why why does he wait? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Also, like just little things too, like how did they send word, you know? Mary and Martha stay there, but they send word, like who went, you know? There's a lot
1: of chaos happening in the gospel. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos. They show these videos every once in a while of like, I don't know, it'd be like a kid's baseball game or like, um, I don't know, uh, people at a park and some sort of chaos is happening, right? Um, And the, the caption is always, watch this video from the perspective of a different child each time. And so you'll watch and like, you know, the one kid is like rolling down a hill. One kid is running the bases backwards. One kid has gotten hit with the baseball and just falls over very dramatically. I don't know, just,
0: and it's just just pure chaos. Like a Renaissance painting.
1: Right, exactly, exactly, (laughs) you know. And I always think this passage is that for me, right? Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes right into what you were just saying. There's a lot of stuff happening. And you could just look at this passage from the eyes of so many different people. Mm-hmm. What's the story like from Martha where she's dealing with the grief of her, the death of her brother, then she sees Jesus, she has this deep moment, and then she suddenly realizes, oh, you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And kind of wrestling with the idea of, if you roll that stone away, it's not gonna smell very good. And mm-hmm. Jesus is, you know, watch me, hold my hold my water, right? Um, so there's so many, there's so many of those kinds of things, but then like you could look at it from Mary's perspective. And yeah. I love what you just said about like, how do they get word back and forth? Imagine if you were one of those people that are going back and forth between the houses saying, uh, Jesus is here. He wants to talk to you. She's coming. She'll be right there. And then like bouncing back and forth, you know, it's a couple miles away from different places, but you're still trying to send word. So, um, you know, what, what's going through your mind as, as you're trying to relay and remember
2: this information. Right. Yeah, and and something I I didn't realize too is, and I, as I was reading it, realized that like for the Jews they wouldn't when they were in mourning they wouldn't leave their houses they would they would mourn for and grieve for seven days and so like even just little things like that where you're sitting like why like what's what's behind all of this and then mm-hmm. you sit with the passage more and you're like oh okay like. Just even putting it from their perspective, like they were home grieving, mm-hmm. you know, at, like that—that's what their culture did, um, which makes it even, you know, that's why everyone's surprised when Martha runs out, and and then eventually when Mary comes, like the crowd thinks that she's going to to must well, be going the to grave, the tomb to grieve, you know, to, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. grieve, and, which
1: not unfair. I mean, that's exactly where she goes, right, right. So,
0: okay.
2: yeah. Yeah, what a
1: beautiful thing!
0: It, it, that's it's so interesting too, Rebecca. You you said a few minutes ago that you know Martha knew in her head. She knew, and she, and I, I'm sure it says it earlier in this in this gospel as well. Not necessarily just this passage, but she was saying like like she has professed her faith in Jesus before. But what I think is really interesting about this passage is now it's not like that faith is being put to the test, but it's kind of like push comes to shove. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just listening to a podcast earlier this morning. I don't know if this is going to be a running theme of me giving a shout out to other podcasts in our Lenten series. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just listening to, I don't know, it was it was definitely a Lenten podcast from uh, the Abiding Together mm-hmm. girl, ladies. And they were talking about... Um, how we can have faith but it can be like more head knowledge versus like you know what do you actually believe like at the end of the day you know we really have to examine and lent is a really great time for that what do we actually believe and so i can see it very Mm -hmm. very clearly in this passage you know martha's like lord yes i know you're the christ like i know you know you are the resurrection like she's saying these things like i i know i know i know but I think Jesus is like but do you really know mm-hmm. and and that's really hard to grapple with and it, for me it's it's very it's very relatable especially because like I've mentioned it on the podcast before like this is a this is a really interesting passage for me personally to meditate on and for my siblings because Mm -hmm. we have lost a brother who was not um not old like he was Mm -hmm. uh like 28 when he passed and so like i really do get the perspective from kind of the sisters from mary and martha and even just their own two different personalities like i love it whenever whenever the the story of martha and mary comes up in the gospel and i'm sure we even I don't know if we we talked talked about about it or like definitely like Allison and like Father Vicarra and I have talked about in depth of the the difference in kind of just those two women and their own approaches to faith. You know, one is kind of the worker. The other one is kind of at Jesus's feet praying. And so anyway, like we were saying before, each person is very, very relatable. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just in my own life, like especially after I lost my brother, like Mm -hmm. I really kind of had to have – not like a come to Jesus moment, but like just a hardcore look at like, what do I actually believe like all these years of, you know, attending religious education, CCD, and kind of the values of faith kind of throughout my Catholic upbringing. Do I really believe all that when push comes to shove when you know, tragedy hits? Do we have hope Mm
2: -hmm. at the end of
0: the day in the resurrection? And I'm happy to report that the answer for me is yes and i i recognized that when i kind of had that moment it was a huge grace Mm -hmm. so anyway i mean just saying that this this particular passage about lazarus is um i can definitely relate to it. And I'm sure a lot of other people who've maybe not necessarily lost a sibling, but like have been through some sort of tragedy in their life or mm-hmm. unexpected hardship, whether that's illness or, or an injury or, or maybe even unemployment, like it could be a, it could be a wide range of things. It's like that push comes to shove, you know, do you actually believe that God is going to take care of you? Like, do you have that hope, you know, at the end of the day? Yes. Father
1: Mike Schmitz. Sorry for jumping in. But Mm -hmm. Father Mike Schmitz always talks about the difference in faith is like faith is more than just believing in God. It's believing God. Mm -hmm. So the idea of believing in God. Yeah, I know he's there. I know he exists. I know he's all powerful, blah, blah, blah. But do I believe him? Mm -hmm. Like, Do I believe that what he says he's going to deliver on that when he says he's capable of doing something? It's what he actually authentically desires.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like what exactly is is happening in this interaction between Jesus and Martha, because, you know, she's at first thinking he's talking about the resurrection later, you know, and, um, you know, and then he prompts her, you know, like she says that she believes, but, um, you know, he, he asks, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, the one who is coming into the world. And so like in that moment she kind of affirms that it she's not just like fully understanding like she's moving away from like just that the knowledge of like what's going to happen what is he really saying am i fully understanding but her response is really just showing like she believes christ right she believes who he is and what he's saying um you know and and, and that's, so that's kind of i see that shift in her of like really just affirming her belief in Christ as opposed to being like yeah i know what's going on right like right. cuz they don't they don't they don't know the disciples even we see in this passage they're like oh yeah Lazarus is asleep he'll be fine I, Jesus has to be like no he's dead like i've been trying to say he's dead right i'm so glad you that i always that hear up. that as like a comical moment <laughs> it in always the sounds comical
1: in my brain
0: <laughs>
2: but you know and and so i just i love Martha's role in this scripture passage where she really affirms her belief in the person of Christ. And yeah. I, I think it connects to what you're saying, Mary, about how we respond in times of loss. I I think this passage is a great model for, first of all, discipleship. Like Jesus is modeling uh, what, what we're called to do, right, as he's moving toward his death, um, pointing towards the glory of God, um, and it's also a model for how we can respond to that great loss in our lives you know they like you've said they Martha and Mary experience this deep loss of their brother and they call for their friend Jesus and um, what I appreciate so much about this passage is that we really get to see the emotions of, of both Martha and Mary and their desperation, you know, of like multiple times, you know, in verse, I think twenty twenty one and 32, something like that. They, they each say, Lord, if, if you had been here, right. Yeah.
0: I was just going to bring that up of, of just how almost painfully relatable that is. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that very specifically because one of the things that I meditated on a lot when um in the the days and weeks after after i lost my brother joe in 2019 myself and other people in my family were also kind of having that what if question Mm -hmm. it's like what if what if there hadn't been a reckless driver on the road what if this what if that what if joe had just come to you know met us in dc that day and so i 100% 100%, 100% agree and, and I really do relate to what Martha is saying and that's incredibly human but also and something that I like a, a lesson that I really took away was you know in, in times like that it's not it's very human and normal to, to ask that what if question but it's also like for me it was kind of a waste of energy so I had to like really tell myself like don't ask the what if question just trust that this happened and can't be changed um, but I also think it's really interesting too that uh, a criticism about the scriptures that's, uh, I know we've mentioned this in previous episodes where some people will say, well, you know, I don't read scripture, I don't read the Bible because it doesn't feel relevant, it doesn't feel relatable. Whereas this passage mm-hmm. is incredibly relatable for all the reasons that we're saying. Yeah, I think it's, you can really see it, you can really hear it. Um, we just have to take the time to, you know, sit with it right. and really kind of chew on it and meditate. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think, I, I think if there's, even if it doesn't seem relatable because maybe you haven't experienced that loss or something like that the the stages are still relevant because we're watching Martha's conversion from a person who is following the rules and then complaining that her sister is doing something different right we have that <laughs> passage you know chapters in advance chapters earlier and then we see her coming to a, con- a sense of conversion to this beautiful being this beautiful confession of faith but it's all done through her experience right it's done through the eyes of her experiencing the cross uh, experiencing it in the grief of the death of, of the passing of her of her brother and so it reminds us that Yeah, what the Lord is saying is, look, I'm going to give you a principle and a truth, something that's going to draw you from wherever you think you are to wherever I am, which is closer to which is closer. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do that. You're going to come to that knowledge, not just through some academic study. You're going to come that through that through experience, through living. Right. And that's that's where. You know, that's where Martha comes to understand. I think it's fascinating because that's where the disciples come. The disciples are also having a conversion moment. I love that because you guys mentioned that it was a comical thing. And it is kind of funny. Like, no, he's asleep. Oh, well, if he's asleep, he'll be fine, right? That is comical. But think about how it ends because Thomas is the one that says, I get it. Then let us also go to die with him. Mm-hmm. What a powerful mm-hmm. statement, right? Yeah. Is he recognizes that this is a step for Jesus into Jesus's passion, and he makes a bold step, which is fascinating because many years in the future he's going to make that step, right? Like how does
0: he die? How does Thomas die?
1: Um, allegedly in India, I think, or in Armenia, he had preached in India, and his body, I think, it was was there. Parts of the relics were transferred back to Rome,
0: but he was a, he was a martyr, mm-hmm. right?
1: Okay. Yeah, eleven of them were. Right. Um actually like 12 of the 13 I think if okay. you count Paul um and you subtract John and you add Thaddeus. We can cut this. Okay. <laughs> no, this is fine. No, this, that's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, 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 yeah. So the it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful um well, I don't know. In fiction, we would call it a character arc, right? Yeah. And the character arc from Martha from complaining about her sister to being with her sister and confessing Jesus as the Messiah, to the to the apostles, you know, complaining that they were just in a place where they were going to get stoned, and that this mm-hmm. doesn't really matter because he's not a he's not a dead; he's asleep. To a recognition that this isn't entering into their own passion, um, there's really something to be said for believing Jesus, and then also configuring our lives to him saying all right i need to walk with you mm-hmm. i need yeah. to step with where you step and, and follow yeah. in those footsteps there's something you know it's hard yeah. because each of us experience it differently
2: yeah
0: definitely and uh, kind of another takeaway that i have from this passage is just the amount of trust i mean jesus is just asking them over and over again like i don't know if he says it explicitly i didn't write it down but it's basically like he's saying like you know you need to trust me, like, trust me, yes, we're going to wait two days before leaving to go help them out. Like, like, trust, trust my judgment in this decision. Or like, Martha, you know, Lord, if you had been here before, it's like, trust me, I know what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know, maybe this is like a really good point kind of in the Lenten season where like, I don't know if, if, I don't know about you listener, listeners or the two of you, Father and Rebecca, but if like, you know, you've been kind of struggling a little bit with your Lenten fasting or penances and just kind of like, what's the point? Is this really worth it? Um, you know, just asking us that question, examining our own hearts and being like, do we, do we trust that this is making a difference? Do we trust the Lord, that the Lord has a plan that he's working in us to transform us right now? To enter into Holy Week in a, in a few weeks or however long it is, and um, and then to kind of yeah, be with him at the resurrection mm-hmm. at Easter. So, yeah,
2: yeah I, I think it is. There were some questions that I I was definitely sitting with after this passage, uh, you know, praying with this passage and thinking about my own Lenten experience and, you know, even just thinking about like okay, how. I, I often like try to to find myself, I guess, in in the characters and um, you know, even with Lazarus, like, how have I been dead in my faith for however long, you know, and how is it how is it that I am in need of that restoration, that new life? And you know, I think that's a perfect question for Lent, you know, yeah. just thinking about. What can I be doing and and how can I change my perspective and my prayer life and um you know to to reorient my life towards living fully with Christ and kind of accepting accepting that life of joy with with Christ instead of you know continuing to to be in that place of you know spiritual death, whatever it is we all kind yeah. of go through those moments of. Mm-hmm. Of darkness in our faith and um and even you know comparing myself to Martha as as you were talking Mary about your own experience with the loss of your brother um you know I just was thinking about like my own losses and um I I think everyone if it if they haven't lost a brother specifically I think everyone can relate to some sort of loss in their lives and it doesn't even have to be the death of a person it can be the loss of um, you know a certain context of, of your life or like time of your life new transitions things like that we're always grieving losses in our lives and um, what I think is so relatable with this passage is seeing seeing those little conversions and you know with Martha I just was so struck by when she says like, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. just even that that phrase, but even now, like in the midst of her grieving and her disappointment and her loss and frustration, which she expresses to Jesus, which I think first of all is, um, A lesson that we all can grow in you know of like learning how to actually express our true emotions to God um you know so she expresses them but but then she pivots you know even in the depths of her grief like the prayer of like but even now even in the midst of all of this loss Lord I I still believe that you are here and that you're working and you know expressing that trust and I, I think that can be a really powerful prayer for our Lenten season is like, you know, reflecting on those times that are the ways that we need to be growing and, you know, need to be restored to new life. And, and how can we take that pivot now to have the, you know, the purview of of the resurrection and eternal life now um, moving towards that place of hope and. I think that's what is so contagious about Martha and and this passage in general is just the way that we can hold both the grief and the loss with the the promise of new life and and the reality of hope right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Christ even says it himself. You know, in in this passage, he says this illness is not to end in death. Mm-hmm. So he even gives us that promise right then and oh, there. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: There's um a great sense if you've ever prayed with the psalms uh highly encourage them there's 150 of them and they span the range of human emotion some are super joyful some are triumphant some are loving and and and, like caring, but many of them come from places of deep emotion, of Mm -hmm. deep loss, um, struggle, crosses. I mean, if you just imagine literally the life of David the king, I mean, that's most of the Psalms come from him anyway. And sometimes he's enjoying the triumph of victory and the Lord's favor as he's a king. And sometimes he's being chased and sometimes he's being imprisoned. Sometimes he's got a civil war and his own son is fighting him. And so Mm -hmm. the whole range of emotion and loss is there. And it's such a fascinating theme because whenever you read those, even those Psalms that are coming from the deepest depths of sorrow, pain, anguish Etc there's always lines in there that remind you hope in God I will praise him still and yeah. so there really is yes. a sense that um, kind of continues through Martha Martha really does in in envelop the 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 spirituality of that ancient of ancient Israel mm-hmm. where she talks about that perseverance and trust in God despite the loss and despite the difficulty I think it reminds us that God doesn't God allows evil things and difficult things to happen but God is also strong enough to bring greater things out of it. And so that trust and that hope that God will persevere. Powerful mm-hmm. thought.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, just it being in the context of Lent and, you know, we're looking towards the passion of Christ and um, it's such a powerful image, you know, Christ filling the experience of death, like literally filling it with his life. And um, that's that's the promise that he gives us. and. And even when he's on the cross, like you were saying, connecting it back to the psalms that even the the psalms of great anguish take that turn towards hope. Like even Christ on the cross, when he's quoting Psalm 22, you know, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? If you read the full text of that psalm, it takes turns into like a psalm of praise and thanksgiving at the end. And for Jesus to, you know, to to quote that on the cross is just again, he's always giving us this model of, of how we're called to live in relationship with the reality of our life, you know, that, that there will be loss and there will be times of pain and hardship. And yet we can still rejoice knowing that, um, you know, there's that promise of eternal life and, and, you know, and it's not even just this quick move to like, okay, I'm going to be hopeful now and all as well. Like it's not, you know, we're just, um, moving past our emotions like we see jesus weeping and in this passage and and taking the time to to grieve with us and and that's the other model you know that i love that like we have we have a god who's who suffers with us and experiences the depths of our pain and and is walking with us through through our agony yeah i i
0: have personally found it through um other kind of uh, losses in, in my family, like like I've recently lost both of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it, that's that's so true of just like you do have to take the time to sit in those emotions. I know kind of I don't know if we've talked about it, but I, I think I've definitely had conversations with other people where we're talking about how it's people don't like talking about hard things. Yeah, We, we just talked kind about of this. Yeah, 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 we would like we like po- you know positive vibes, everything's positive all good. Vibes only. Yeah, 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 like that, you know, positive vibes only, but really, you know, life life that's not life. Mm-mm. You know, we have to we have to sit in in the hard stuff. We have to enter into it sometimes. And I have a very specific example that I'm thinking of um Gosh, what was it? Just just a couple months ago, uh, my 99 year old grandmother returned to God, as Father Bob likes to use that term. Uh, that week in particular was very busy, like here at work, just with family. And this is something I really appreciate that Father Hayes says. And so I, one of the other things I do here at the parish is I live stream funerals, and I love listening to specifically Father Hayes when he gives a. Um, Uh, not a homily for a funeral he usually starts off by saying by telling the family and reassuring them you know this is a really hard time there's a lot of things going on you're very busy but in the coming days and weeks when all that busyness kind of goes back to normal that's when you kind of have to sit with it that's when reality kind of hits and anyway so um, I definitely had a moment like that after my grandmother passed and I literally had to like drive to my favorite park and you know no music no headphones no 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 phone and just just think about her mm-hmm. and i had to let that reality sit in sit and settle and it's hard like it's not a pleasant feeling but i knew i had to do that in order to to deal with it and accept it and then to move on, mm-hmm. so um, so yeah, and and I love what you just said, Rebecca. That like even the Lord had to do that, He wept, He took that time. Um, and I guess we don't really know what He was doing in those two days while He was waiting. Maybe it's not too far fetched to say that like maybe He was grieving then. Um, but but yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, we definitely have to take that time and Lent in general, kind of taking a step back. Is a really really great time to just kind of sit and um, and yeah. really evaluate and and really work through whatever we need to work through.
1: I know it's a silly analogy, but I highly recommend the movie Inside Out. Um, it's the movie where you know, basically the person has the different emotions in their brain, and the different emotions kind of handle memories and things, and one of the general plots is that the woman who's, or the the emotion named joy is basically kind of, you know, at odds with the emotion named sadness, and it was only good to have joyful emotions, and they kept pushing sadness away, and it was uh, just a very fascinating thing, because at the end of the resolution was, was that oftentimes emotions are complex, oftentimes the reality the experience of life is not just one or the other, right? A funeral is not just a celebration of life; it's also a recognition that the memories that we have are going to be memories. We won't be making new memories in the present moment, and so the reality and coming to grips with that is a complex emotion. I think the passage. I think when we look at our Lenten resolutions and our Lenten, uh, our Lenten experience, and we do it by reflecting on the the story of the raising of Lazarus. I think one of the fascinating things is that this is a complex emotion, and it's okay to sit with that complex emotion. It's okay to be a little bit, you know, fumbling as you kind of come through. Like the apostles, kind of fumbling before they kind of get to the idea, oh, let's go to die with him. And it's kind of fumbling a little bit between Martha, who has figured it out and still says, my lord, there will be a stench, as she tries to wrestle with the reality in her mind and the... uh, and the knowledge and her faith in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of things going on. She doesn't do it perfectly. And I don't know about you ladies, I don't do it perfectly. I'm pretty sure we don't do it perfectly at all. I think sometimes that's one of the fears that we have when it comes to Lent because we feel like mm-hmm. Lent is a series of things I have to do flawlessly in order to have a good Lent mm-hmm. as opposed to Lent is a place to process complex faith related emotions mm-hmm. and faith related you know faith related things and it's okay to bumble and stumble through it a little bit.
0: Yeah. I love what you said Father. I think you said it and then I recently heard another priest at um at a talk um Repeat this point that if you know we're you know a few weeks into Lent, if we've if we've made a mistake or if we've failed at our Lenten penance, like that's okay. Like just restart again. And I I know you definitely said this on like I think it was our first episode that like you know don't don't beat yourself up too hard. Right. If um you know like you're saying if you fumbled or stumbled or if you forgot one of your Lenten penances or you. We weren't able to do it, whatever the case, uh, that it's okay to restart again.
1: Strictly speaking, it is the difference between a discipline and a rule. And our faith when it comes to sin and morality is about obeying, right? We listen to what the Lord has asked us to do and we wanna submit ourselves to what his will is. That's why we don't kill, we don't lie, we don't cheat, etc. right? It's why we try to not act in rebellion to him and we try to conform our lives to him. But the idea of the practices that we do in Lent, those are disciplines meant to strengthen our ability to avoid sin. They themselves are not moral actions. I mean, if you wake up one day and and you say, it's a Friday and Lent, I'm really gonna get even with God and eat a hamburger. All right, well, that's more of a moral decision mm-hmm. and that's something else entirely but this is a training exercise. This is like, this is you training for a marathon. This isn't a matter of whether you cheated in the marathon or not. You don't <laughs> disqualify <laughs> yourself from a race just because one day it was a little harder to get up and do your exercises for the right.
0: day.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So you don't beat yourself up over a failed discipline. You just re, you just recommit to the discipline.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think another thing that, that people struggle with in Lent, and maybe I'm just speaking about myself here. <laughs>
1: Probably
2: um, <not. laughs> But sometimes it's, you know, you're so overwhelmed by the season that you want to do so many things, and then you end up doing nothing
0: mm. because
2: it, it just feels so grand, you know, and, and especially when you, and this is what I specifically am experiencing, is comparing past Lents to to now and especially the ones that were just so transformative you know and especially during my year of service oh Oh, yeah Yeah. like wow I I just look back on that Lent and that that was one of the most transformative times of my life and like one of the most powerful Lents I've ever experienced and it was so communal you know I was living with other young adults and we really I mean we really leaned into the season with like we did different challenges each week, things that I just would love to do now, but I, I just can't. I'm in a different state of life. You know, like we we did no power in the evenings for a week. And I just, I live with roommates. I can't, they, ha- they haven't made that commitment. You know, I can't be like, okay, I'm shutting the power off, you know, wow. good night, <laughs> right? So I think that's what, like, at least I personally have been wrestling with is coming to grips with the fact that it, it can and it should look different, you know. Now that I'm in a different state of life, and I can, you know, bring some of those those moments, those mountaintop moments, into my experience today, and um, in small but different ways. And and so I think that's like another realization that we have to face in Lent is that it's it's going to look different, and we it's just not fruitful to keep comparing ourselves to past lengths you know it's just not helpful because it's you know kind of going back to the passage of the, the emphasis on the present that Jesus is trying to get them to recognize like I am the resurrection like, it's happening now right it's it is me and um you know there's just that reminder that we're called to be in the present and not to to be forward thinking or past thinking um but just really entering into the season with with Christ in our midst
1: I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are listeners who understand that very acutely, I think. I hear quite a lot. I think the biggest struggle oftentimes is for people who have changes in their life state, Mm -hmm. right? Couples who get married, couples who have a kid, um, widows, the different people who recognize that whatever situation they're in and then have a major life change that you know, whatever, like it, when you could just drive over to the church and make a holy hour, when you could just carve out 20 minutes of time, you know, that isn't hiding in the bathroom because your kids are like con- <laughs> con- con- incessantly looking for you. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like this, I, I think this kind of goes back to a little bit about what what, what I was saying earlier about how you know, the head knowledge and the stuff that Jesus is communicating to us in terms of revealing who he is, is ultimately experienced in our lives. And so Lent is an experiential season. It's not just something you can academically plan for. And mm-hmm. oftentimes you have to be able to say, okay, well, where am I with the Lord right now? Where am I and what can I do to enrich that, right? Yeah. What's what's something I can do today to enrich
0: that? Mm-hmm. It's also not a passive, um, I don't want to say the word sport, but it's not, it's, it's not a passive experience. Yeah, You're
1: not a bench player in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not like something, you know, like you can, um, especially during ordinary times, sometimes mass can kind of feel like that, or maybe like the season in general, you feel just kind of like, you're just kind of sitting there watching, like nothing extra is really being asked of you. You don't have to set up Christmas decorations because it's not Advent or you don't have to whatever, or like give up anything in particular, but like maybe that kind of season can, sometimes anyway maybe this is just me feel a little bit more like passive but this is not like this really um ordinary times shouldn't be passive but this really no. like we we really need to we do need to step it up and at the very least evaluate yeah kind of where we are and what what can we do so
1: amen any final thoughts about our wonderful passage
2: yeah i mean i would just say like just encourage people to to keep sitting with this one just because of how like the depth of it you know as we've said there's so many different aspects to it um but i think you know most importantly just like kind of asking ourselves like how are we how are we in need of that new life how have we been weeping and um can we can we imagine ourselves next to jesus with jesus weeping with us Think that um, can be a really powerful image in prayer, and then you know, moving towards that, you know, many it's it's not quite the resurrection right that that Jesus experiences himself, but um, this restoration to to new life, and so sitting with that, um, it, it's so beautiful to have this in Lent when you know we're we're not quite there yet at the resurrection right where this is our period of of waiting, and yet we're given this taste of, of new life, you know, to, to remind us that that's, that's where we're going and and that's where we're headed, you know, having that sense of hope in this season of Lent, that that's, you know, it's the hope and the faith that orients us in our, in our lives as, as Christians. And so being able to, to kind of hold both of those, both, you know, the, the grief and the hope, like, can we, can we enter into this Lent with you know, that that force of making change and, and really connecting with Christ in deeper ways while still holding on to that promise of hope for new life. Amen.
1: Amen. And I feel like that grief and that hope lends us uh, to almost the ability that's that's where the ability to persevere is Mm -hmm. we're aware of the grief and we recognize like we recognize the cross and then our hope gives us the courage to embrace it and by doing that we persevere to the end which is what we our lord really I think encourages and challenges us in. Mm -hmm. Each day we pray for that perseverance. Each day we thank God for that opportunity for hope. And in the middle of it, it's a complex world. We got a lot of grief and things to deal with, but the Lord does not leave us alone. And even when we think everything is lost and that there will be a stench or something along those lines, definitely one of my more favorite verses in the scripture, (laughs) my Lord, there will be a stench. (laughs) Yep, yep, Martha, you're not wrong. (laughs) And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, there is faith, there is hope, there is God clearly at work in the mid, about to do something truly extraordinary um, if only we just trust in him. So with that ladies, oh my gosh, any final thoughts? I'm good. Good? Oh, my gosh. Well, friends, this is delightful. You know, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. You are absolutely a treasure. So much to think about, so much to meditate on. I know that I'm going to be going back to this, obviously, getting ready for my own homily. I'm totally stealing both of your ideas. (laughs) Both of your ideas, ladies. I and, love it. Uh, um, and, and with that, friends, we thank you, our wonderful listeners, for all of the great graces and prayers and the support you've given us. And we look forward to bringing you even more joy in the future. Amen. And with that, God bless you and have a great evening. <laughs>